Hey friends, this is Michael Bohm with Youth Apologetics Training. Uh, today we're going to continue with this expositional study through Second Peter. Uh, this is basically uh, church sermons that were recorded at a Calvary Chapel in Berthoud, Colorado. Um, we're working our way through the book of Second Peter. Uh, today I think is part three. And again, this is towards the end of Peter's life when he wrote this, uh, most likely written from prison, and he knew that he was going to be martyred soon. So his message gets more urgent, and really the theme of Second Peter is, is threefold. It is a warning against false teachers, a warning against false doctrine, and a warning about the coming judgment and so we'll jump right into that. Uh, but first, some of you have been wondering what in the world happened on the last podcast where uh, I was cracking some punny jokes. People were laughing. What was going on there? Well, uh what you can't see when you're listening to these audios is we had uh, some... PowerPoint slides being displayed. And uh, I was talking about the Roman Catholic Church. Um, we're more specifically, we're talking about the relics of the Roman Catholic Church. And uh, I threw up a slide that had a picture of a severed head. Now, if you go to Google and you type in Roman Catholic relics, you'll probably stumble upon this picture. Uh, it looks like the head of some nun, okay? Uh, but it's cut off, okay, a severed head mounted in some kind of an, an ornate box uh, that looks like it's hand-carved and painted and really, you know, done up, okay? But, it, you know, it, it's like putting lipstick on a pig. It is a severed head in a box, okay? The skin is all festering, rotting, decomposing. The eyes are all sunken in. It's really gross, okay? But they would take this head... And they bring it out, I think, once a year, and they'll parade it down the street, and people will sing songs to this head, uh, venerating it. Now, uh, the typical Christian would say, no, that looks like worship to me. And uh, quite possibly, God would see that as worship. It, it's, it's really strange. But be that as it may, here's Michael Bohm with his dark almost macabre humor. Uh, I apologize about that, but uh, I'm looking at this head and I said, uh, yeah, these Roman Catholics will remove this relic from its sacred place and head off down the street. Now, I thought it was funny. A couple people chuckled. I apologize about that. But then it got worse because the very next slide was a picture of a Roman Catholic priest holding aloft another severed head on a pillow covered by like this translucent shroud. And before I flipped the, the slide up, I said, and I just want to give you a heads up on the next slide. <laughs> and it, I did laugh. Yes. Uh, sometimes my humor cracks me up. And uh, then I followed it up with that same slide still up. I said, uh, it turns out that the Roman Catholic Church or, or hunting relics for the Roman Catholic Church is a good way to get ahead in life. <sighs> I'm sorry about that, guys. Yeah, that's... That's some pretty bad humor, but there you go. Those who are wondering, there you go. That's what was going on. All right, so <laughs> I, I, I will not have any really messed up humor in this next uh, segment of Second Peter. Uh, by the way, before we jump in, just to let you know, next week I'm going to have Eric Hovind on the podcast. I've already recorded this podcast. I talked to him a couple days ago. He's an amazing guy. It, it was a, it was a really fun time to talk to him. And, uh, I'm going to have him on to talk about young earth creationism, uh, and just the whole creation and evolution debate in general and his ministry creation today. That one is really good. I can't wait to put that one online. I also have some other interviews lined up. I'm going to be talking to Sharam Hadian about Islam and also Cowboy Bob Sorensen on, log on logical fallacies. That one's going to be really interesting, too. So anyway, just to let you know what's coming up, whatever the case, let's go ahead and jump right into uh, this week's portion of the expositional study on Second Peter. And so tonight... 
we're going to be covering a lot of uncomfortable stuff. And as I normally do, I'm known for doing uh, on my podcast, there's going to be a lot of rabbit trails tonight. Um, Because, okay, we're going to talk, I'm going to name a lot of names. And we're going to talk about a lot of people who are spreading a lot of false stuff within the church. Normally, I like to go off the road and talk about different cults, cult research, things like that. But tonight, my mission is to inoculate you guys against this, these types of teachings. I think most of it's pretty straightforward. Most of it, you're going to be like, yeah, that's, that's pretty bad stuff. Um, but yeah, the mission is to hopefully strengthen you, expose you to a lot of this stuff. Some of this stuff, probably some of you guys have already seen and heard about. Um, uh, TBN, if you watch TBN for any extended period of time, you're going to run into a lot of this stuff. And, you know, you'll want to take your shoes off and throw them at the TV and these types of things. Um, And so, yeah, as we're going through here, I will name names. Uh, One thing I want to make very clear. I am in no wise saying that any of these guys who are spouting this stuff are not saved. I'll let God sort that out. I have no idea. Some of them seem like hirelings. They seem like they are all out for the money, and it's all about them. But in no way am I saying that these guys are not saved. Secondly, people that go to these churches, I was saved in one of these churches. Um, Most of the people in these churches love the Lord. In fact, they have a passion for the Lord that sometimes I wish we could bring over to our side. You know, if you could marry... If there was a way to marry that, that zeal, that passion, with solid biblical teaching, man, you'd have something special. You know what I'm saying? In, in fact, I'll even say this. Some of the best Christian music comes from these guys, in my opinion. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, but having said that, yeah, the, the doctrine there is like, ugh. So I'm not saying they're not saved. I know a lot of them really love the Lord. But there's going to be some really... Uh, egregious stuff tonight that I'll bring up that's like, oh, how could you say that? Okay, and so anyway, lots of rabbit trails. Uh, in fact, I'm kind of embarking, embarking on one right now. So anyway, <laughs> we'll jump in. Uh, one of the things, uh, there are so many different heresies going on within the fence of Christianity, if you will, okay? I'm only going to cover a small handful of them. But in the beginning here, uh, mainly I'm going to focus on the Word of Faith movement tonight because that's the one that seems to have the most you know, seductive nature to it. It really has a pull on, Christ- on you know, evangelicalism. Um, but there's a lot of subgroups as well, other different um, uh, types of these teachings that, again, are, they're false teachings. They're bad stuff. And so in the beginning here, I just want to bring up a few of them. But Word of Faith, I'm not going to talk about too much here in the beginning because I'm going to bring up a lot of stuff from these guys throughout tonight. Um, They're really into the prosperity gospel. You guys hear this? It is the idea, it also goes by health and wealth. This idea that um, God has willed for us to prosper. So if we are not prospering financially, and if we're not prospering in our health, somehow we're out of the will of God. Very, very condemning. Uh, it, it, I've been in these churches, and if you're going through a tough time, if you're sick, or if you just got fired or whatever, some people will look at you as if you've just stepped outside the will of God. And um, it, you start feeling this condemnation, and it's really rough. Uh, the idea of healing in the atonement, I'll talk about more about that later, but this idea that... Um, what Christ did on the cross has guaranteed us healing. So if you're not walking in full health and healing, you're not saved. That's dangerous. Positive confession. Um, there is something, something to be said for um, staying positive and not whining. Okay? You know, your, your tongue is like a rudder or it, it is a small flame that can set things on fire. Right? As James says... Having said that, oh, you can speak positive things, but there's something else going on within these movements where they have married new age concepts with Christianity. The law of attraction. You guys have ever heard that? Uh, uh, I forget her name. Rhonda Byrne, maybe? Who wrote the book The Secret. She was talking about the law of attraction. 
pulling on the cosmic energies of the universe through our words and beliefs, we can somehow back God into the corner and force him to do whatever we want. We can say, you know, I'm healthy, I'm wealthy, and these things will just come to us. So that's another teaching that's found within this movement. You know, I can say I have a red Porsche all day long and it ain't happening, okay? It doesn't appear in my garage. I can say I'm really good looking, you know, and it's just not going to happen. You know, it is what it is. <laughs> so, uh, and also uh, apostles and prophets are for today. Um, and I'll talk about that a little bit more as we go. Covering theology. This one's another one. Um, I saw this also in this church that we were a part of. This idea that you must blindly submit to your covering. And in in your church, generally, that would be your pastor. But then your pastor has to submit to a covering. And he has to submit to a covering, and on and so on. And they have these covering networks. Um, It sounds good, but what ends up happening is you start getting this abuse of authority going on. And the pastor will do things like tell you what jobs you can and cannot take, what women or men you can or cannot marry. Start making life decisions for you. Um, At the church we were going to, uh, the pastor made all the elders read this book by John Bevere called Covering Theology. And was really laying it on us. Like, you guys need to submit to everything I say. And if you don't, you are outside the will of God. And you're probably going to get attacked by demons. Dead serious. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that is taught in, in these circles. So, yeah, if you're not submitting, you're under God's curse. And, and I mean, it gets really far. The New Apostolic Reformation. Have anybody, anybody heard of that? Bam. Okay. Nobody's heard of it. It's worldwide. It is huge. It's probably one of the biggest Christian movements in America right now. And nobody knows what it is. You see Peter Wagner. He's the one that founded this movement. It is political in nature, but it's, it is seeking to take over the world. I'm not joking. Dead serious. This is, they have a theology. It's called dominionism. And they believe that in the end times, Christ will come back to earth and we will have already subdued it for him. And then we hand it over to him. That's scary. Uh, uh, Mike Huckabee, uh, Sarah Palin, they're part of this movement too, believe it or not. And so, yes, I mean, it's, it's huge. This is a really big movement. I have a whole podcast series. Actually, I have two podcast series on this movement. If you guys want to learn more about it, there is, there is a lot going on there. Uh, and, and it's something we should really be aware of. I'm not going to go into this movement too much tonight. There is an overlap in this movement with the Word of Faith movement, an overlap with some of these covering theology crowds. Um, there is also an overlap into uh, the Messianic movement um, and the Emergent Church which are other things that I might mention here in a minute. But um, they believe in what's called the five-fold ministry. Apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and pastors are for today. If you don't have all five of those offices filled in your church, you're not a true church, and God's not going to help you progress. And we as a church are not going to progress and, and you know, reach the world. They're into strategic level spiritual warfare. Uh, this idea that um, to, to a lot of these people, it is all about doing war with demons. You're constantly going up against demons. And so, like Jim mentioned, prayer walking, they have a special form of prayer, prayer walking. They will go out and they will, be, they will believe that the Lord revealed some territorial demon to them. You know, like... You know, there's some demon of whatever over Fort Collins. And then they will get some kind of battle plan from God, supposedly. And then they'll walk around. They'll blow shofars. They'll anoint random things. They'll pray over random things. And in the process, they believe that they're doing battle against this giant territorial demon and taking back the land. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's very interesting stuff. Um, some of it is not so bad when you say, you listen to it and it's like, well, that doesn't sound too bad. 
but it ends up leading you down all kinds of side roads. You get your focus way off the gospel, way off God's word, and you get yourself stuck in fighting imaginary monsters constantly. I'm not saying demons don't exist, but they're constantly doing battle with what they think is some great big demon, and really they're just they're making us look silly. I mean, really. And I was with some of these guys. I've done this. I've been up at horse tooth blowing shofars and declaring victory over, I don't remember what the demon was. But it was like, you know, afterward it was like, oh man, there was people walking by. I feel like a bunch of goofs. Um, they also have this seven mountain mandate. They believe that uh, we as Christians must take over these seven areas of influence in society. In society. And when we do that... We will take over the world. Uh, they are business, government, media, arts and entertainment, education, the family, and religion. Um, it sounds good, but again, the whole concept, the whole foundation of the idea is, is world domination, dominionism. And you know what they're trying to do is, is not biblical. Christ is going to come back, and I mean... People are going to be either terrified on their knees, freaking out because the conquering king has come back, or they're going to be praising God and, and, and jumping for joy. You know what I'm saying? But we're not going to hand the, 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 the keys to the world to, to Jesus and be like, well, we did this. You know, look at us. We did this. Here you go. You know? So uh, there's also the Messianic movement. Um, if you guys are familiar with that, it's this movement. It and and some of these messianic churches are great. Seriously, they, they're really interesting, and they get back to uh, the Hebrew roots of the faith, and that's all cool. But many of them go down this side road of legalism, and they start trying to dress like Jews. They they're trying to basically become Jews. They put an overemphasis on the first five books of the Bible, the Torah. Um, and, and the words of Moses, and at the expense of the rest of the word. Uh, I know somebody personally that just the other day was telling me that in the last days, God is going to favor those who, um, who, who don't heed the words of Moses. And, and I was a little confused by that. It was like, well, you know, we, most of the church recognizes the words of Moses, but we just recognize the rest of the Bible, too. And that made this person really uncomfortable. And they're like, yeah, but they need to get back to Moses. But no, they need the whole Bible. I, <laughs> yes, Moses. And yes, everything else. The law, the prophets, the, the whole New Testament. It's all there. It's all good. But in these movements, they will elevate the Torah and put down the rest of the scriptures. Some of them will um, negate certain books of the Bible. Galatians and Hebrews are two targets that often get hit. Uh, I, there's uh, one teacher out there, Monty Judah, that I read an article just recently, completely rejects the book of Hebrews. shouldn't even be in the Bible. Um, Galatians, I've seen a lot of them attack Galatians. So anyway, and they'll go down the road of legalism. You can't, uh, you know, you must worship on Saturday. You cannot eat pork. You need to make yourself exactly under the law that you find in the Old Testament in the first five books of Moses. So, uh, or the Bible, sorry, the Torah. And there is the emergent church. Again, I'm just trying to show you some of the different movements that are out there within Christianity that are pushing at us from all sides. There's the emergent church. They're really into postmodernism. It's the idea that um, uh, there is no absolute truths. What's true for you might not be true for me. Um, and deconstructionism goes hand in hand with that. Deconstructionism is this idea that um, when you read a text, it's not really about what the author intended for you to take away from that. It's all about how you feel, how you, you, you know, what, what your interpretation is. And so you see in a lot of these emergent churches, they'll sit down and they'll read a text and they'll say, well, what does that say to you? And they'll go around a circle and by the end of it, you're kind of expecting the pastor to step in and say, now this is what it actually means. It doesn't happen. That's on to the next thing, you know. And they're always asking questions and never answering them. And I, and I think I mentioned this a couple weeks back. You know, you have Rob Bell. He's notorious for this kind of stuff. And he'll, he'll say things like, well, does the Bible really teach of eternal hell? Is hell even real? And he'll ask all these questions and really kind of get you 
doubting things, and he'll never answer the questions. Is homosexuality really wrong? Does God really condemn same-sex marriage? And then he'll just let it go. You know, it's, it's dangerous. It's very dangerous. So this group emphasizes experience over doctrine, big time. And so it's all about coming to church. You've got these real comfy chairs, a lot of times couches, dim lights, candles, maybe some organs, a lot of artwork. And you, you were supposed to come and have an experience with the Lord, but don't, don't talk doctrine. Just don't. We're all inclusive here. We're just, you know, ecumenical, wishy-washy, ushy-gushy. Just come in and, you know, sure, you're going to get people in, but are they going to get saved? I mean, you're going to have a whole church full of goats? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or are you going to try and get them saved? So that's the emergent church. Fertile ground for heresy, that's for sure. And then, of course, there is New Age Christianity. The New Age has crept into our church big time. You uh, have all kinds of New Age practices now that are infiltrating the church. Uh, contemplative prayer, it's where you basically put yourself in a meditative state. It's also referred to as breath prayers. Put yourself in a meditative state, and then you are trying to get God to talk to you. I mean, you know, part of that, well, that sounds kind of cool. You know, I'd love to hear from God. But at the same time, what ends up happening is they hear all kinds of strange, contradictory, God told me this, God told me that. And it's clearly not God because it's all stuff that doesn't line up with the scripture. Um, so, you know, that is, that is a new age practice. I mean, straight up. And, and when I was younger, I was involved with the new age as well. And that was something you, were re- you read and you were taught that you clear your mind, you meditate, you clear your mind, you focus on maybe a mantra or just nothingness, and then you wait for a being, a spirit guide, to speak with you. So, and that stuff's coming into the church. Mysticism. You hear, I mean, oh, I don't want to say that name. There, there are some big names in Christianity that I love, that I've heard just recently, uh, encouraging people to read The Desert Fathers, and read uh, about St. Teresa of Avila, Avila, who was a, a Catholic saint who would meditate, and then it is said of her that she would start levitating off the floor, and then she'd start prophesying and stuff. But all these mystical things, mysticism is getting really big in the church. Christian yoga, there's nothing Christian about yoga. Seriously. <laughs> I got a whole series on yoga too. Uh, in fact, most of the stuff I've got a whole series on, if not more than one. But yeah, yoga, again, you, you do these poses that are giving honor and praise to Hindu gods. Okay, And if you, you can go to the websites. You can find out what these poses are called. Go to websites and find what deities are being you know worshipped as you're doing this weird little worship sun salutation thing. you know, And each one of them has different aspects of Hinduism. But what you're trying to do is get yourself, again, in a cleared mind, meditative state so that some being can speak with you. You know, if God wants to speak to you, that's awesome. (laughs) But nine times out of ten, what they hear is totally against the Bible, completely anti-Christian. So, yeah, there's nothing Christian about yoga. Walking labyrinths, have you ever heard of that? It's kind of weird. Um, there, believe it or not, I, I went to a website, Yo, uh, I'm sorry, labyrinthfinder.com or something like that. There are labyrinths in every major city across the United States. There's at least two in Loveland. There was like four or five in Fort Collins. And they, it's like a maze, okay? There's one way in, and there's only one way out, okay? And the way out is the same way as the way in, okay? It's usually circular, and you walk along this path, and you repeat a mantra, Again, here we go with mantras and clearing the mind. And you just kind of blindly walk real slow and you pray this or speak this mantra over and over. You clear your mind. And when you make it to the center, you're supposed to commune with the deity of your choice on the problem that you have. And then you reverse the process as you go out. Again, this comes from the New Age. This This goes all the way back. I mean, this is a really old occult practice. Uh, and now churches are building them. In, I mean, there are churches, I've seen pictures, where they cleared all the chairs out, and then they did a labyrinth inside the church and had everybody come in on a Sunday, and they just walked the labyrinth. 
No, no, what are you doing? So uh, another one, circle making. This one blew, just blew my mind. Um, Mark Batterson wrote a book called The Circle Maker where he advises you to take salt or chalk or some other type of device that witches would generally use and draw a circle around you, just like you do in witchcraft. And then you stand within this circle and it, it is basically like a conjuring. It is a spell. And this is being taught within Christianity. There are, I mean, this is making waves. There are, there are content, or I'm sorry, there are um, devotionals on circle making. There are a whole pastoral series on circle making. Uh, even people, I love this lady, Joni Erickson Tata, I think is how you say her name. She's getting carried away with the whole thing. And it's like, guys, what are you doing? You know, you witches, they draw a circle. They get inside the circle. You create an opening. You step inside of your this energy field. And this is basically what he's teaching inside this book. And then you start meditating. And you draw down a power cone. And you feel the energy rising up. And then you cast your spell. It's very similar to his book. I mean, that's dangerous stuff. That's stuff you don't want within your church. Come on, man. So, good. But the prophet, which shall presume to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or that shall speak in the name of other gods, even that prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, how shall we know the word which the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the thing follows not, nor comes to pass, it is a thing which the Lord has not spoken. But the prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You shall not be afraid of him. I read that because, again, I want you to know the Lord's heart. I'm about to jump into some stuff within the Word of Faith movement that, you know, this is God's heart. This is a big deal. You don't false prophesy. If somebody, I mean, when they say God told me something, they better be 100% right. Obviously, we don't take them nowadays outside the city and throw rocks at them until they're dead. Okay, and that's a good thing. But God's immutable. He doesn't change. And so what I'm trying to portray is his character. When a person says, God told me, and God didn't tell him, God is pretty mad. And think that through. That's a terrifying thing to say, oh, God told me this. God showed me this today. Whoa, dude, slow down. Now, I understand, you know, and I use that language too. Okay. I feel like the Lord is leading me to do whatever. Um, But... It's, it's dangerous. And as we look at some of these word of faith prophets, and they do claim to be prophets and apostles, um, you're going to see a lot of that stuff. And these guys, uh, everybody that I'm going to quote today has false prophecies. If you were to look them up, there's lists of things they have spoken and prophesied that never came to pass. So they might still be a believer. I don't know. Again, God knows. But I can tell you they are false prophets. Just, I mean, that's, that's what it is. Uh, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And that is so today. Uh, Titus 1, uh, verses 10 and 11. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not. For filthy lucre's sake, King James Version, filthy lucre, uh, that's talking about money when King James talks about filthy lucre. And so I know this is actually speaking about Pharisees and scribes here, uh, they of the circumcision, but I think it applies, they subvert whole houses. These guys in the Word of Faith movement are notorious for targeting people like widows, older people who have a little nest egg, and then they go in there and they just they take it all. They convince you through the TV or in the congregation to will that money, to give that money to them. And, I mean, this is stuff that, I mean, it's, it's going on all around us. I just read on Benny Hinn's website just a couple days ago where he's making an appeal to uh, 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 people who were close to death, asking them to give him their money for, uh, how did he say, sow a seed, sow a seed for a mighty 
oh man, mighty uh, uh, work of faith for today and the future. And he was just trying to get him to just give him all the money. This is a guy who's got multiple jets. I mean, he's filthy, stinking rich. How does that give God glory at all? How is it progressing the gospel at all? It's not. 1 John 4, 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Mark 13, verse 22. For false Christs and false prophets shall arise and shall show signs and wonders to to seduce, if it were possible, even the elect. All right, so I'm actually going to finally get to my scripture here. (laughs) Right? So, uh, yes, again, guys, I'm not saying any of these people are not saved. I'm not saying anybody in their congregation is not saved. I'm not making any of those judgments. I am saying that this is bad stuff. (laughs) And uh, I think we should pray before we go any further. So, Father, uh, thank you again for getting us all here safely tonight. Lord, uh, as we get into these touchy subjects... Father, I pray that that your heart and your truth would shine through these things, okay, Lord? And we pray that uh, people wouldn't get mad at me, but rather, Lord, they would understand my heart and where I'm coming from, Father. Uh, I pray, Father, again, that this message would inoculate everybody against these types of teachings and these types of teachers, uh, and Father, I pray that everybody would take this correctly and, and may this be delivered in love and received with love and mercy and grace. In Jesus' name, amen. So, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, after that insanely long introduction. But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there were false teachers among you, who secretly bring in destructive, the King James Version says, damnable, Pardon my French. Damnable heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. So there are what God says is damnable heresies out there. There's And there's destructive heresies. Okay? And so, yeah, tonight we're going to look at some of these. Um, one of which I already mentioned, yeah, there's the prosperity gospel. This is, this is so dangerous. I have personally seen people fall away from the faith because of this. Because they weren't prospering. Because they weren't like, glory, rolling in the money, you know, and just living it up. Or they had some kind of sickness. And they just kind of fell away from the faith. Because they were being looked down upon. Um, Creflo Dollar. You guys heard of this guy? He's the one that was on the news recently. Because, oh, see, these guys make us look so silly. He went in front of his congregation and said, I need $60 million so I can buy me a jet. $60 million. He already has a jet. But he wanted $60 million so he could buy a really sweet, fast jet. Uh, but this guy, Creflo Dollar, some people refer to him as Creflo, give me a dollar. Uh, sorry about that. He... He claims that Jesus wore designer clothes and that the disciples and Jesus were actually pretty wealthy. They are pretty rich. Um, yeah, interesting stuff. But this, this is the type of stuff, again, that will, if you're in a church like this and you're not prospering, you start looking at yourself and you're like, well, maybe I'm not saved. Maybe God doesn't love me. Maybe God hates me. And I personally have seen people leave the church over this stuff and they run off to the world. And it's horrible. It's sad. We shouldn't be focusing on money. You know, parents went to a church in Arizona. They walk into this mega church. Right when they walk in the door, the first thing that happens is somebody hands them a book that says, God wants you to be a millionaire. <laughs> and this whole book is about giving money to their ministry, and then God will return that seed of faith a hundredfold, and you'll get rich. It's all a big get-rich scheme. It's like a nice little Amway top-down pyramid scheme, you know? And so um, I mentioned the healing in the atonement doctrine. 
It actually, they, they get this from Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5. Oops, I skipped that one. Oh, hey. Yeah, maybe I should read that, actually. Benny Hinn. Oh, this is the healing atonement. I apologize. Yes. Okay, well, they get this. They have. Uh, that's right, because I didn't get this in my slides. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Amen. And with his stripes, we are healed. And so they jump on that last little part. By his stripes, we are healed. And they say, it's guaranteed. If you're a believer, you're going to be healed. End of story. And you will live a perfect, nice, comfortable life. And at the end of the life, you'll just kind of fall asleep in Jesus. It's not biblical. I mean, we all have issues. Some of us more than others, you know? <laughs> so, uh, Bill Johnson of Bethel, Bethel Church in Redding, California. Any of you guys familiar with this guy? He's a mega church pastor. He's got a lot of other campuses. People are following his teachings all over the world. I get emails, because I did a series on this guy. I get emails from people on the other side of the planet in other countries saying, my church is caught up in this guy. What do I do? I have no idea what to do with this. And he teaches this healing in the atonement doctrine um, quite a bit, actually. And it's, again, it's just this concept of, you know, if you're, not, if you're not totally healed, if you're not walking in it, then you're not saved. The interesting thing is, though, he wears glasses. He's getting old. You know what I mean? He's going gray. He's been to the hospital in the last couple years. I'm not, I'm not trying to be mean or flippant here, but it's just like, you know, what's up with that? I mean, if you're walking and you're healing, are you not saved then? What's going on? Uh, Benny Hinn, he teaches this as well. He says, he, God, he promises to heal all, everyone, any, any whatsoever, everything, all our diseases. And he's not talking about, you know, after we pass on and get our new bodies. He's talking about right here, right now. So, Interesting. There's a picture of Benny Hinn. <laughs> uh, the, yeah, he's the one famous for flinging his coat around and everybody falls down and uh, this whole idea of being slain in the spirit. A really bad video. But if you guys want to see something that's kind of a little bit funny, you will, you'll kind of chuckle. There's a video on the internet called... Let, it's, if you look up Benny Hinn, Let the Bodies Hit the Floor. If you're familiar with that rock song... <laughs> They got Benny Hinn flinging his coat around, and people are flying in all directions. It's, it's bad, actually. Don't watch that. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> conversely, okay, if you marry this healing and the atonement, and you marry positive confession together, you start coming up with other ideas where you can lose your healing. So supposedly, if God heals you, you can lose that healing by negative confessing. <coughs> So uh, this is from one of the Toronto blessings. Uh, I believe Nader uh, Mikhail, I'm not sure how to say that name, but many times it's okay because there's so many people teaching this stuff. This is just a nice package, a nice quote. So many times you lose by praying. You lose by turning in your prayer requests. That might startle you, but what you're doing is confessing, I don't have it. So if you pray... See, again, you're supposed to positive confess. You're supposed to be like, you know, I have that sweet job. Oh, I have it. I haven't started yet, but I have that job. Instead of saying, oh, Father, please, I want that job so bad. If it's your will, please hook me up with that job. Whatever, you know what I'm saying? Lord, I want that red Porsche. No. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) you're going to kill yourself. Uh, But um, Frederick Price this one, this one will blow your mind. When I first got saved, they didn't tell me I could do anything. What they told me to do is whenever I prayed, I should say, the will of the Lord be done. Now, doesn't that sound humble? It does. It sounds like humility. It's really stupidity. I mean, you know, really, we insult God. We really insult our Heavenly Father. We really insult Him without even realizing it. If you have to say... If it be thy will or thy will be done, you have to, if you have to say that, you're calling God a fool. 
I know somebody who said that. Jesus said that. That's scary stuff. Sorry, I'm getting worked up. I can't believe somebody would say that. But see, this is the type of stuff that's in these movements. They don't read their Bible. They just go off feeling and what they thought the Lord said to them. And again, many of these people are out for the money. And, you know, Frederick Price uh, claims to be an apostle. There's him in his apostle gear. He's, he, you know, it's, it's, it's a humble outfit, I'll, I'll admit. All right. <laughs> and he's got his jet. Um, you know, Jim's got a jet, too, but we won't, we won't talk about that. Jim's got a sweet mansion, too. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, anyway, that's one thing that you see within these movements. Another thing is... Um, like the scriptures say, and, and how is it? Let's see, I want to read that again. Um, denying the Lord who bought them. This is going to blow your mind, okay? Benny Hinn. And, and you see this kind of stuff. It's always God coming down and us being elevated. Exalt man, squish down God. Diminish God and his word as much as you can. This is going to blow your mind. We get the mind of God about his will. We pray it. When we pray it, we give him legal right to perform it. And God can't do anything unless we tell him it's okay. Like, you know, like we were there when the heavens and the earth were created. And we're like, yeah, all right, God, you can do that. No, wait. Yeah, go ahead. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, the, the next one's even worse. Miles Monroe, let me define prayer for you in this show. Prayer is a man giving God permission or license to interfere in earth's affairs. In other words, prayer is an earthly license for heavenly interference. The, the, the grammar in here is, is pretty bad, but God can do nothing on earth. Nothing has God ever done on earth without a human giving him access always looking for a human to give him power of permission. In other words, God has the power, but you got the permission. God got the authority and the power, but you got the license. So even though God can do anything, he can only do what you permit him to do. <laughs> wow. Wow. Seriously. And so, you know, the Bible says it a little bit differently, okay? Psalms 135, verses 5 and 6. For I know that the Lord is great, and that our Lord is above all gods. Whatsoever the Lord pleased, that he did in heaven and in earth and in the seas and all the deep places. There's a ton of scriptures just like this, but come on. You know, we don't give God permission for this stuff. Nobody was like, you know, walking up to the tomb and being like, God, I give you permission for Jesus to rise from the dead. You know, God, you have my permission to part the Red Sea. Ah, nice. Nice going. You know? No. And, and so, yeah, that, is, that would be a destructive, destructive heresy right there. Um, here's another one. Jesus was just a man empowered by the Spirit and needed to be reborn. Jesus, I don't know if you guys knew this, but Jesus apparently was a reborn man. He had to get reborn. Kenneth Copeland a born-again man, Jesus, defeated Satan. You were the very copy of that one. And then, of course, incredulous, Copeland then asked the Holy Spirit, well now, or, well now, you don't mean that I could have done the same thing? Holy Spirit replies, oh yeah, if you'd had the knowledge of the word of God that he did, because you're a reborn man too. <laughs> wow, wow. So, another one here is Kenneth, he, Kenneth Copeland, filthy rich. He has his own airport, okay? He's got his own Copeland airport. He's got many jets, okay? This guy is just filthy, stinking rich. Mansions all over the place. Um, he says this, Don't be disturbed when people accuse you of thinking you are God. The, the more you get to be like me, this is supposed to be Jesus speaking, of course. Um, the more you get to be like me, the more they are going to think 
that way of you. They crucified me for claiming that I was God, but I didn't claim I was God. See how they always want to push God down and elevate man? I just claimed I walked with him and that he was with me. Jesus did claim to be God, and he was God. And when he was worshipped as God, when Thomas fell on his knees and said, My Lord and my God, did Jesus say, Whoa, 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 back off, rend his clothes. I'm not God, chill out. No, he he received the worship, because he's God. So, yes, there there is a lot of that going on. That's Kenneth Copeland, his smiling face. He, he's an interesting... I'm sure you guys have all seen him on TV. Yeah. Interesting guy. Um, I mean, you just feel like he's he's a used car salesman when he just starts talking. You're like, I, I haven't heard a thing you said yet, and I just know this guy's up to something. Uh, so, again, here's the... Again, man being elevated, God being brought down. The believer is as much an incarnation as was Jesus of Nazareth. Kenneth Hagin Jr. So, sorry, I, I'm really taking a long rabbit trail here, but I'm just showing you the stuff that's happening within Christianity. And you turn on TBN and you can't get away from these guys. They're all over the place. Also, Daystar, God TV, all these channels. Total travesty. Kenneth Copeland again. God's reason for creating Adam was his desire to reproduce himself. He was not a little like God. He was not almost like God. He was not even he was not subordinate to God even. Oh, man, no, Morris Carello. Uh, the whole purpose of God was to reproduce Himself. You're not looking at Morris Carello. You're looking at God. You're looking at Jesus. So yeah. Oh, and then there's this one. This one was on TBN. When you say I am saved. What you're saying is, and by the way, this is Benny Hinn speaking. This guy, oh man, he's got some good ones. He's got some zingers. When you are saying, I am saved, what what you are saying, you are saying that I am a Christian. What does that word mean? It means I'm anointed. Do you know what that means? Uh, Oh, I'm sorry. Do you know what anointed means? It means Christ. And I entered my little note in there. Nope. (laughs) It means to consecrate by rubbing of oil, right? You know, in the Old Testament, you'd be anointed. They'd pour the oil on you. You'd be anointed for king. King David was anointed. Jehu was anointed. So many different prophets anointed. Uh, but anyway, yeah, what? Anointed means you're, you're Christ. Uh, and so, okay. When you say, I'm a Christian, you are saying, I'm a little Messiah walking on the earth. In other words... That's a shocking revelation. His spirit and our spirit man are one, united. There is no separation. It is impossible. The new creation is created after God in righteousness and true holiness. The new man is after God, like God, God-like, complete in Christ Jesus. The new creation is just like God. May I say it like this? You are a little God on earth running around. I don't know. I, you know, I don't, maybe him, but I look in the mirror and I'm getting old. I don't see a God in the mirror. <laughs> I got allergies. I get headaches. My ankle hurts sometimes. I wake up and I limp for a while. I'm not God. Okay. I can't command the ocean. I can't command the weather. I don't know about you guys. Maybe Jim can, but um, yeah, far, far be it from us. Yeah. There's not even close. So, uh, I am actually going to get back to verse 2 here in just a moment. We're actually going to move on. But uh, Joyce Meyer, she's part of this movement too. I know a lot of people really like her. But check this one out. There's no hope of anyone going to heaven unless they believe this truth I'm presenting. You cannot go to heaven unless you believe with all your heart that Jesus took your place in hell. Does that sit right with you guys? Does that feel right? So you have to believe. It, it wasn't about, see, it's kind of interesting because the Mormons, they're like, uh, the atonement really took place in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus was sweating drops of blood and stressing out about what he was about to go through. That's where they say it really took place. 
Now, you have people like Joyce Meyer, and she's not the only one. Uh, you hear Copeland saying things like this. Benny Hinn says things like this. There's a lot in the Word of Faith that, that bring up these types of teachings. Jesus had to not only get crucified, but then he had to go down and spend three days in hell getting abused by demons. Yeah. Satan himself got to abuse Jesus for three days and three nights in hell. Never you mind, you know, today you will be with me in paradise. Never you mind the fact that Jesus said that to the thief next to him. You know, today. Unless, you know, maybe saying hell is paradise. You know what I'm saying? But no, you have to believe that Jesus actually went down to hell. There's Joyce Meyer. Smiling face. Matthew chapter 26, verse 28. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which was shed for many for the remission of sins. I mean, it's so simple. There's nothing about hell there. First uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 24. We'll get to that someday. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body. He bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you are healed. So, all right, I'm really going to get back to Second Peter in just a second here, but I'll end by talking, not end today, but end of this little section here by saying, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. Now think about these guys. This fits them so perfectly. Lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. So moving on to verse 2. We're getting there. (laughs) And many will follow their destructive ways, because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. And we know that many people are falling after these guys. I mean, they've got all these TV stations. There are mega churches all over the world. There are prophet or apostle, apostolic networks, I should say, all across the globe. These networks will include tens of thousands of people claiming to be prophets, and each one of these people have mega churches of their own. It's a big movement. It's really big. Um, The way of truth will be blasphemed. Well, yeah, you're seeing a lot of that, right? Um, Well, you have um, not so much from the false prophet, false apostle group, but definitely false teacher. You see people like that Westboro Baptist Church. Not really going to say the type of things that they say, but they'll show up at funerals uh, of servicemen, people that have served our country. You know, the type of people that you should be saluting, taking your hat off to, saying thank you to. And they're going there and saying all kinds of nasty things. They'll say things, you know, about homosexuals. that You're not drawing them to Christ? Are you kidding me? Say the nastiest things to them. Uh, you have people like, uh, for example, I mean, there's so many examples. Bob Jones, did you guys hear about him? Not the one that the, the university is named after, but or the seminary, but... Um, one of these guys who claims to be a prophet, Bob Jones, would um, use his authority and have women come into his office, and he would tell them that the Lord has told them to undress before the Lord. He was busted for it, and that brings, you know, that, that causes the world to look at us and, what are you guys doing? You guys are no different. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, th- there's so many different examples. Ted Haggart. You guys remember that whole scandal? Um, crystal meth, male prostitutes. And, and it just goes on and on and on. TBN has been involved in all kinds of scandals. Now the secular media is, get, is catching wind of this whole dominionism, NER, New Apostolic Reformation Movement. And they're starting to run with it. They're starting to be newscasts exposing these guys. And that's not looking really good for Republicans because they're all coming from the right. 
So, anyway, moving on, Second Peter chapter, or I'm sorry, two verse three. By covenant, coveted, covetousness—easy for me to say—they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time, their judgment has not been idle, and their destruction does not slumber. <clears throat> and so, by covetousness, guys, again, I, you know, I've already talked about this quite a bit. Copeland, <clears throat> he's got his own airport. All these guys have private jets. Um, just in this small little congregation that we were part of, um, this, I mean, this was like a, a congregation about this size, don't you think? It's about this size, 20, 30, 40, depending on how things flowed. Even this guy had ways of shystering people out of their money. If somebody was going to die, he would be right there at their deathbed trying to talk them into willing, willing him their house. And on multiple occasions, we saw it happen. All of a sudden, he'd have a new house. And he'd put it on the market, and he'd get all kinds of money. And then he'd take like a three-week vacation. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Is that giving God glory? And he would take that money, and he'd spend it for himself. That's on a small scale. When you get to the bigger scale, it gets even more out of control. It, the covetous practices in this movement are unbelievable. We went to a church in Kansas City. I cannot remember the name of that place. But I think I remember the pastor's name was like Steve Gray, something like that. Unashamed, totally unashamed. He, he came out there the first night we were there. God told me that four of you are going to give me $10,000 tonight. Yeah, and then he was like, 30 of you are going to give me $500, and 20 of you are going to give me $1,000. And he just went down this list, and it's like, I know you're out there. This is a huge, huge uh, room, right? They even had a boom camera you know, over the audience. It was, it was so commercialized, so ridiculous. And um, <clears throat> I, I, I'm pretty sure he got that money. I'm pretty sure he got that money by then. And if he didn't, it doesn't matter because he still probably made out like a champ. And his wife came up and she's got, you know, the typical ginormous big hair and she was unashamed and raking everybody for their money. And they did this in between praise songs and it lasted for a couple hours. And, I mean, they had to have made bank. In fact, one of the people that was with us said they saw somebody write a $10,000 check. So, I mean, it's... Yeah, by covetousness, um, they will exploit you, and with deceptive words. For a long time, their judgment has not been idle, and their destruction does not slumber. It's, um, it's scary. There is a judgment coming for all of us, right? There is a judgment that is happening on this world. There will be a judgment that will happen in our lifetime, and there is a time when we will all be, you know, when we're all going to face the judge. Some of us will be covered by the blood of Christ and some of us won't. Um, it's, it's a scary thing. I mean, if you can just imagine, you know, from an unbeliever's perspective, or, or you know, okay, think of it this way. Think of it this way. You know, we you stand before the king, before the judge. He's on his throne, or, or rather maybe on the bench, right? And he's looking down at you and he's examining your life and you're guilty. You're busted. And you know it, too. He pronounces judgment, and, and you're going to pay. And at first, there's shame. There's a lot of shame because you've done something. You've done a lot of bad things. But then it's replaced by terror and fear as you realize that you know eternity is now at stake. What lies before you will not end. And then that very same judge steps down off the throne off of his bench, puts his arm around you, looks at you with grave eyes, love in his face, and says, I will pay for you. I'll take that judgment. I'll take that penalty that you deserve. (laughs) That's our king. That's our God. That's Jesus who died on our behalf, taking the punishment that we deserve. Um, it's, It's amazing. So, you know, it... Obviously, I'm looking around the room and everybody's saints here. But, uh, you know, there's probably, there could be somebody listening on the podcast later when we put it online. And, and, uh, you know, Christ 
came to earth, he lived a perfect life, sinless. And then he died taking the punishment that we personally deserve. It's, it's, it's a simple, free gift that we can receive. We repent of our sins, we trust in Christ, we turn our life over to him, and we're saved. We can know that we're saved right now. I mean, you can know that you're saved right now by, tr- by trusting in Christ and what he did on the cross. It really is amazing. And so, yeah, if anybody is listening that hasn't done that, I urge you to, to really to think about that, to pray about that. Christ died for you. You will pay the penalty unless you repent and trust in him. So, let's pray. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for this opportunity to, to teach through your word, although I didn't stay too far in the word, but we, we covered lots of interesting things. Father, I pray that it was received well. I pray, Father, that um, all of us now knowing what this movement is like will hopefully be able to better reach out to those in the world, those who are within the church, who are being taken captive by these types of things, and, and do their best to try and pull them out, to show them the truth, to show them, hey, there is a Bible All right, we'll stop right there. Uh, Yep, guys, next week, looking forward to posting a podcast with Eric Hovind. uh, And uh, don't miss out on that. And with that, I love you guys. And we'll see you next week.